0: Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Captain's Log Sermons. You'll be hearing Nathan preach not only at Liberty Grace Church, but also at surrounding churches. We hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you're blessed. Uh, Hey everyone, it is good uh, good to see you guys this evening. I hope that you've all had a good week uh, and enjoyed the weather. Personally, today is like the ideal day for me. It's the first day that feels like fall, and it is my favorite weather uh, at ever. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm glad to see you all here today. That we're able to come and to worship together, and it it just fills my heart to see this room full of people. You uh, a couple of questions. And as I do, these aren't questions that I'm expecting you to uh, come up and give me an answer, but they are things that I I want you to be thinking about as we go through uh, our passage today. And the the first question is this, has the gospel changed your life? Has the gospel changed your life? And, And if so, how has it changed you? How has the message of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection changed your life? And if I could take that even, uh, even a step further, I would ask, how is the gospel still changing your life even today? How are you still being changed by it? I think these are are important questions for us to think about. And essentially, these are the types of questions that Paul is asking to the church in Corinth through this letter of 1 Corinthians. Um, And as we've been going through this series over the past two weeks, we've already seen um, the focus that Paul has on helping the church to look at their life through the lens of the gospel. He's been encouraging them to make the gospel their central priority above anything Else, Now we saw that in the first week as Paul was reminding the church of of who they are in Christ and what he's done for them. And last week we saw Paul reminding them that church itself was not all about how they wanted it to look or their preferences, but it's about the gospel. So he was reminding them not to, to be bickering about things that don't matter. Now, the passage that we're looking at today, it, it almost is kind of like a, a part two of what we looked at last week with, with Daryl. And uh, the scripture that we looked at last week, it's among my favorites uh, in the entire Bible, especially uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses one to five. I love that passage. Like, like you look at those five verses where Paul is telling the church that while he was with them, he decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified like, like that feels like the perfect mic drop moment if ever there was one like like he's made his point he's nailed it home he said what he needs to say and he can move on to to his next argument his his next thought well that's not what he does he he continues uh continues talking and the passage that we're looking at today it begins with a very important word it begins with the word yet we see that word there and it shows that Paul wants to clarify a couple things for the church about what he's just said for them. Essentially, the, this passage begins with a big disclaimer from Paul to the church. And I love that because that, you, you see there just how well Paul actually really knows the people that he's writing to. Like when, when you and I look at the book of 1 Corinthians and look at these different passages, we kind of have in our mind this, this abstract idea of some messy church uh, down in Corinth. It's, but it's kind of a detached kind of idea. But when Paul was writing this letter, he wasn't writing to just some random church in the city of Corinth. He was writing to a group of people that he, that he had lived with for a year and a half, getting to know them, investing in them, and teaching them while he was there. He really knows the people that he's writing to. And with that, he knows that with what he's already said, the church is gonna need some more clarification. Otherwise, there's a risk of new misunderstandings popping up while he's trying to correct the old ones that were already there. And so Paul's goal in this passage is to show more, more of the implications of this gospel lens and, and how the gospel should be influencing the life of the church, especially uh, in, in the area of wisdom. Essentially, what, what Paul's trying to get across to the church uh, in these 10 verses we're going to look at today is that viewing our life through the lens of the gospel should cause us to live our life through the wisdom of the gospel that's that's paul's main point here that he wants to nail home uh, and as we go through this passage we're going to look uh, a bit more at that uh, at that statement as paul gives a bit more detail on what that really means uh, talking about what it actually means to live life through the wisdom of the gospel and how we actually go about doing it so starting out we want to look at at the what what does that mean Uh, and paul gives us a a much greater insight into the wisdom of the gospel itself and how that is different from the wisdom of the world how how the culture uh, around this church in corinth would understand this idea of wisdom he wants to explain a bit more about what it actually means to have this gospel Wisdom. And it's here right at the beginning that we get to this disclaimer that Paul has for the church as he begins with this word yet uh, and goes on to say in verse six, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So in the passages that we've looked at previously up to this point, Paul's been very intentional uh, in downplaying his own wisdom. And really downplaying the church's understanding of wisdom as a whole, which was really heavily influenced by the culture around them. He said earlier in chapter 2 that his message when he came to them was not with plausible words of wisdom. And earlier in chapter 1, he says that in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. But it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. I was just giving a, a couple examples from uh, from what we've looked at up to this point. And Paul's goal in this, kind of like what what Daryl pointed out to us last week, is to really minimize himself uh, as well as minimizing the other teachers that the church was kind of uh, sectioning off and rallying around. He wants to He wants to minimize himself and remind the church that the main thing that they should be concerned about, above anything else, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, not their own preferences and not their own wisdom. But in saying that, he, he has this disclaimer in here because he doesn't want the church to misunderstand his words up to this point and look at what he said and maybe start to think that the gospel itself isn't all that special or to take his downplaying of his own wisdom as downplaying the wisdom of the cross. And so he makes it clear here that among the mature, we do impart wisdom. And again, he makes clear that the wisdom of the gospel is not the same as the wisdom of the world that he's been speaking against previously. They're they're two completely different categories. They're they're not even in in the same ballpark. He says it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. then in verse seven, he he continues and says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And so just in those first two verses, there's a couple important things to look at in order to understand what, what Paul is saying to the church. And the first is this idea of the secret or hidden wisdom of God that he talks about in verse seven. What, what does it mean that there's this secret hidden wisdom? Well, when Paul's talking about this hidden wisdom of God, really, he, he's emphasizing even more the separation that exists between worldly wisdom and gospel wisdom, that the, the wisdom of the gospel itself is foolishness and makes no sense to those who haven't trusted in Christ which again is similar to what we looked at last week. Um, uh, there's one, one commentator, uh, Anthony Thistleton, who, who writes something that I really appreciate in sort of describing these two different categories of the, the wisdom of the culture and the wisdom of the gospel. And this is what he says that there's one kind of so-called wisdom that is pretentious, it's self-affirming and seeks to operate by means of human achievements. And that would have, that would have been the description really for the wisdom that uh, would have permeated the culture in Corinth. But then he says this, and there's a God given received revealed wisdom that nurtures and directs the life of the people of God. And so the wisdom of the gospel, the wisdom of God that he's talking about is so different. From the world, because the world was just interested in really wisdom for wisdom's sake. Like they they wanted to be the wisest, they wanted to know the most, and be celebrated by everyone around them because they knew more than anybody else. That was that was the goal of the the wisdom in in Corinth. But God's wisdom isn't just wisdom for wisdom's sake, or this kind of self self-promoting uh, wisdom that aims to gain praise from others. Instead, it is such a beautiful gift that's given to us through Christ to be able to know him. And yet to those who don't know Christ, this God-given wisdom seems like utter foolishness. That's what he means when he says that this wisdom of God is secret or hidden, that this is a type of wisdom that only makes sense to those who've, who've trusted in Christ he even says in, in verse 8 that if the world knew this and, and understood the wisdom that was preached by Christ they wouldn't they would not have crucified him And so that's that's really what he's talking about with this secret or hidden wisdom this this wisdom that really is only understood once you have put your faith in Jesus Christ The next thing that we want to understand in what Paul says here is what he means when he says that this is a message of wisdom among the mature. When we look at that, it's important to understand that when Paul talks about this message of wisdom for the mature, he, he's not talking about these different classes of Christianity. He, he's not meaning to say that you can be like a, a level one Christian and know the very basic things. But then if you work really hard, you can get up to being like a level five Christian and, and know so much more. That is not what he's talking about here. Again, Anthony Thistleton has a comment that I, I really appreciate uh, and explains this well, where he says, as for Christian maturity, this denotes not some supposed second or advanced stage that's left the cross behind, but growth in Christlikeness. The wisdom and the maturity that Paul's talking about here, it has far more to do with how the gospel actually impacts and changes your life because gospel wisdom should lead to Christian maturity. Another commentary I looked at put it this way, that God's wisdom is as much about how to live as it is about what to believe, which again was so different from the, the wisdom and the culture of that age, which, which just saw the, the purpose of wisdom as knowing the right things and, and having certain levels of understanding so that you would be a- admired and celebrated by the people around you. You see, gospel wisdom really is not just about knowing as much as you can about the gospel. It's about actually allowing the gospel to impact and change the way that you live growing in Christian maturity and Christ-likeness, becoming more like Christ. I mean, you you see this. Even you look at Jesus and his interactions with different people throughout throughout his ministry that's recorded for us in the gospel. Whenever he would talk with people, he would always emphasize this uh, idea of obedient and, and a changed life. There would always be some kind of a, a call to action. He would call people to a life of obedience to God. And, and just to give you a couple examples of this, um, you, you can look at Jesus' interaction with a woman caught in adultery that's recorded in John chapter eight. After this crowd brought this woman to him wanting to stone her uh, and, and he, he sends them away, he says these words to her, neither do I condemn you. And he says this, go and from now on, sin no more. And then in John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus tells his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Even in the great commission, Jesus tells his disciples to go and to reproduce themselves, to make more disciples. And then he tells them this, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. There's this implication here that to follow Christ, to live in this wisdom of the gospel, as Paul talks about here, it means a life that is changed to be more like Christ. It's not just about knowing the facts. It's about actually becoming more like him and living this wise life of obedience, according to the gospel. And so, not only is the gospel itself a hugely countercultural uh, message, this idea that, that God would come in and die for the sake of his creation, but a, a true understanding of the gospel, of what's been done for us, leads to hugely countercultural living. And in verse 7, Paul, Paul points out that this wisdom was decreed by God, as he says, before the ages, for our glory. Later in verse 8, he, he describes Jesus himself as the Lord of glory. You know, I think some, some people look at a life of following Christ, a life of, of trusting him, and think that is just such a restrictive life full of so many rules, so many don'ts that are all about taking the fun out of life. It keeps you from experiencing the the truly good things in life. The reality is that a life of following Christ is a life of growing in, in this gospel wisdom that was decreed before the ages for our glory. Becoming more like him, so that one day we will spend eternity in glory with our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 9, Paul says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. You know, living living this way, living with this kind of counter-cultural wisdom may not always be an easy Thing, but it is worth it for the sake of spending eternity with Christ. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Like it is worth it to live a life of following Christ. And so, I want to I want to encourage you as you as you look at Paul's words here to really seek out this. Wisdom, the wisdom of the gospel and not just for the sake of knowing more, but to actually let it impact and change your life, transform you to make you more like Christ. we're better to learn the the wisdom of God than in the word of God itself. This, This book that God's given us, it gives us everything that we need. To be able to learn this wisdom of the gospel and become more like Christ. And that that leads us right into the next thing that we want to talk about, which is how we actually learn this wisdom. How do we look into scripture and learn how to live with this gospel wisdom so that we become more like Christ? You know, I uh, I was in a lecture earlier this week um where uh, a pastor was was teaching and he made reference to a book that was written about the life and the miracles of jesus but this was a book that was written by someone who didn't believe that anything in the bible was true as the pastor was commenting on on this book and the guy that had had written it he said that this this guy actually had uh, a really great understanding of the, of the text itself that he was looking at, he he had quite an ability to to look at scripture and pick up on little details and patterns that uh, lots of people would would overlook or would miss, and yet he didn't believe a word of it. He actually wrote this book to explain why he thought the the story of the gospel made no sense and was was completely ridiculous. And so the question is, what's the difference between us? And him, what is, what is the difference? How do we look at, at this book? How do we look at the word of God and be changed by it? Well, others will, will look at it and see just a bunch of stories that have no more likelihood of having happened than Lord of the Rings has of being actual history. Like what is the difference there? If Paul describes the wisdom of the gospel as the secret and hidden wisdom of God, how are we able to learn and understand it? I think the simple answer that Paul gives here is that we learn this gospel wisdom through the work of the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't say it quite as simply as that, so I want to take some time to look a bit deeper at at his words here, because I think they show just how amazing of a gift we've been given in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verses 10 to 16. verse 10, He says, "These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Like, wow, God has revealed His wisdom to us through His spirit, who searches everything, even the depths of of God isn't that amazing like if you've placed your trust in Christ you have this spirit in in you who's able to search even the depths of God and that's that's not even all you keep reading verse 11 he says for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him you know we'll we'll often say to, to other people you don't know what I'm thinking you don't know what's what's going on in my head. That's the same kind of idea that Paul's getting at here. Who knows the thoughts of a person except the spirit of that person? And he says, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. And I think in in this verse we see the need that we have for the Holy Spirit in order to understand the, the wisdom of the gospel that Paul's talking about. He makes it clear here that no one understands the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. I think again, this this shows the beauty of the gift that we've been given. Because if we want to be able to to understand and, and learn from the wisdom that is found in Scripture, we need to have the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts. But we've been given that gift. We've been given the Holy Spirit if we've trusted in Christ. And so we're able to know the the thoughts of God through the work of the Spirit in our life. And so as you read Scripture, as you read God's Word to learn how to live a, a life of obedience to Him, you have the Holy Spirit at work inside of you, helping you to understand what God is saying. And so pray as you look into God's word that he would help you to see how you can be growing in wisdom, living this life uh, of maturity and obedience to God and becoming more like Christ. I think this should, should cause us to praise God for the gift of the Spirit that he's given us. It allows us to see the wisdom that is in his word. I, I think of that song that we sang at the beginning, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to, t- to see you. It is through the Holy Spirit at work in us that he is able to open the eyes of our hearts to understand what he's written in his word. Now let's read the, the remainder of these verses And the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I think that that goes back to the idea that Paul brought up in verse 7 about this secret and hidden wisdom of God that's so different from the wisdom of the world. That without the spirit, even though someone might be able to, to look at the Bible and notice all sorts of, of interesting patterns, interesting little details, and, and things that other people may very well gloss over and not see right away. Ultimately, like Paul says, it will all be folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We see again there how well Paul knows the people that he's writing to because just in case the church would begin to feel prideful or, or puffed up about, about this knowledge, about this wisdom that they're able to have uh, as followers of Christ, Paul makes very clear that it is by the Spirit who is from God, who is given by God. And that we're able to understand the things freely given to us by God. And we'll, we'll also see next week at the beginning of, of chapter 3 where, where Paul is informing the church that frankly they have a long way to go. They still have lots that they need to learn. Because it's not because we're so smart or we're so wise on our own that we're able to, to see and understand the wisdom of the gospel. It's not just because we we decide we're gonna sit down, we're gonna read a passage over and over and over again until we understand it. That's not how it works. It's not by our own efforts that we're able to, to understand what God has given us in his word and be changed by it. It's because of the gift of the spirit of God that has been given to us. And so frankly, we have no reason to be prideful in any way whatsoever Because of this wisdom, because without the gift of the spirit that's freely given by God, we're just as lost as everyone else looking at his word. But because of that gift that God's given us, we're able to read his word and and truly be changed and transformed by what it says. And so with that, I want to go back to the, the question that I asked you right at the beginning of, has the gospel changed your life. And how is it changing you? How is it still changing you? How is the Spirit at work in your life teaching you the wisdom that is found in God's Word, helping you to be more like Christ, to grow in the Christian maturity that Paul talks about? Because again, the the message that Paul gives in, in this text is that viewing our life through the lens of the gospel, as he's encouraged the church to do, should cause us to live our life through the wisdom of the gospel. And if I could add add this, uh, the wisdom of the gospel that is made known to us by the power of the Spirit. Not by our own efforts, but by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And if you're here today and you've never trusted in Christ, you, you've never made that decision, I, I, I want to invite you to do that today, to place your trust in Him. Receive forgiveness for your sins, this gift of the Holy Spirit that He promises to all those who follow Him so you can begin to, to grow and be changed by Him. Because viewing our life through the lens of the gospel, should cause us to live our life through the wisdom of the gospel, which is made known to us by the power of the Spirit. So seek out the wisdom that God has given us in his word. And pray that the Spirit would be at work in your heart, helping you to understand the wisdom that is found in Scripture, to change you, to make you more like Christ as you grow in Christian Maturity. Lord, I pray that that would be true of all of us. I thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you've given us, that, that because of you, we're able to look at your word, God, and, and be changed by it, to become more like your son. Lord, I, I thank you for the sacrifice of your son that made that possible. And I pray that you would continue to, to be at work in, in, in each of our lives and in the life of our church, Lord, to help us see life through the lens of the gospel, but Lord, not just for the sake of, of seeing things differently, but Lord, that, that the gospel would be changing our lives to make us more like you for your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for tuning in today. We hope that this is an encouragement to you. As always, if you want to know more about us and our ministry, feel free to follow us on Facebook or Instagram or go to our website. Thanks so much and see you next time.